think we're looking forward to that day when we arrive in the presence of Jesus. So for our message, we're going to go back a little bit in time now again. We looked at the crucifixion of Jesus, and today is Palm Sunday. We want to look at uh, some of the events there. It's also called the triumphant entry of Jesus. You can turn with me to Matthew chapter 21. I'll just look at Jesus arriving here in Jerusalem before time of his crucifixion. I think we'll read verses 1 through 10 of Matthew 21 here. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethphage unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them. And straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, the king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and a colt the fall of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way, Others cut down branches from the trees and straw them in the way. <clears throat> and the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And he, when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Stop reading there. <clears throat> so normally up to this point, Jesus hadn't put himself forward like this, hadn't drawn attention to himself, because up to this time, this was not what his work was. But now was the time for him to boldly declare himself as the Messiah. <clears throat> and... Uh, it was prophesied before we read that verse in in uh, verse 5 there, referring back to Zechariah 9, chapter 9, verse 9. We read that verse. <clears throat> Zechariah 9, verse 9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the fall of an ass. I'll read verse 10 too. And I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace unto the heathen. And his dominion shall be from sea even to sea, and from the river even to the ends of the earth. <clears throat> So it was 
prophesied how Jesus would enter into Jerusalem on this colt. And uh, here, as Jesus entered into the city of Jerusalem, there were lots of people there in the city because of the Passover. It was estimated there could have been up to 2 million people there. So there were thousands of additional worshipers because of this event, because of the Passover. It is one of the few... This event is one of the few that is spoken of in all four Gospels. <clears throat> the part of the story I want to focus on this morning is the response of the people to Jesus' entrance. And uh, as we look at this throughout all of this, we want to remember most of all the time that is coming when our Savior will once again return. He will come as a king. And these people here at this time were hoping or assuming that Jesus was coming to set up an earthly kingdom. And uh, we know the disillusionment they had when they realized that this wasn't going to take place. But we know there is a time coming when Jesus will come to literally be a king to to uh, take over, to rule supreme. We know that the world we live in now, he, he, is, he is king spiritually, but the king of this, wor- of this world, we know but the ruler of this world is not Jesus. Yeah, literally or figuratively, Satan is kind of ruling as he pleases at the moment. But we are looking forward to a time when Jesus will come back and and uh, take his children to be part of his eternal kingdom. <clears throat> so we want to look at some of the things, three things that they did here, the people did. And sometimes we wonder why these people changed from what we're looking at now and what we looked at in the Sunday school lesson. Here they were shouting praises in his triumphal entry. And then sometimes we think, well, why did they switch? But one thought that was kind of new to me in studying for this, somebody shared that maybe it wasn't necessarily all the same people that, I mean, there could have been some that <clears throat> that were still shouting praises to him even after, at his crucifixion. We know mo- the majority um, were silent and weren't praising him then. But we can't just assume that all the people that shouted praises for him here betrayed him or or gave up on him. It's not necessarily all the same crowd either. All right, what did they shout? Or three things that they did. One was they shouted praises. And we want to look at what they shouted here. First of all, <clears throat> Hosanna is a Hebrew word meaning save us now. 
verse 9, it says, The multitude that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They were crying, save us. Save us from what? I think the answer that comes to mind is they were hoping to be saved from the Romans. Another my commentary suggested that it could have also meant save us in our oppression. And uh, we know there are variations of this in the different accounts, Matthew and Mark's accounts. One is Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, and Hosanna to the Son of David. This is a praise that was shouted Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This comes from Psalm 118. Psalm 118, verses 25 and 26. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have... Blessed you out of the house of the Lord. This is a psalm of praise, and uh, it's the last one of the five psalms of praises. Verse Psalms 113 to 118. <clears throat> Apparently, were the first psalms that a Jewish boy would memorize and sing. These all have to do with giving praise and. Glory to God, Psalm 117. It's a short one, but praise the Lord, all ye nations, praise him, all ye people, for his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. And the other psalms also are psalms of praise. They were giving these wonderful words of praise to the Son of God, to Jesus. Also, um, in John's account, John 12, verse 12 and 13, on the next day, much people that were come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. It's actually used the word king. Unfortunately, the people were still thinking of him coming as a king of king like David. That's what they were hoping for, a literal king that would help overthrow the Romans thought he would raise up an army and and uh, help them conquer but this was not the king that Jesus was here at this point he was not coming to be their literal king to overthrow the Romans also in Mark's account 11 verse 10 Mark 11 says, Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. 
Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. <coughs> this phrase picks up on the thought of the coming kingdom of David. For years, the Jews had kept alive this thought or this promise of God once again restoring the kingdom of David. They thought about this. They kept this alive all through the years of the exile and captivity, through the years of the restoration. And now this generation was finally seeing the fulfillment of this promise, this coming of the Messiah. And uh, we let our imagination run with the thrill that they must have felt when they thought the hero and understood that here was the Messiah coming, but then they didn't understand that fully, unfortunately. Many of them, most of them didn't. And uh, that's what caused them then to later have that response to the Jesus in the crucifixion. It was the responsibility of them to understand fully, and it is our responsibility now in our time, in our generation, to keep alive the promise that Jesus is coming again in his glorious second coming. You know, we also can become disillusioned and maybe give up on our hope that Jesus is literally coming again to be our king to save us from the captivity we are in today in this earth. Let's remember that and let's proclaim that to others around us. Let's be shouting praises in a sense as well as we think of his second coming. All right, they also said peace in heaven and glory in the highest in Luke 19, verse 38. Um, 19, verse 38 says, and he, he cried saying, oh, I'm in the wrong. Sorry, Luke 19, verse 38. saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. This makes us think of the time earlier in Luke when Jesus was born in Luke 2 verse 14. The angels proclaimed glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill to men. And here now they cried peace in heaven and glory in the highest. I'll just continue reading now verse 39 to 40 as well. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Jesus understood that nature itself would sing his praises, would 
sing his glory if the people didn't. So he, he did not rebuke these people for, for saying that. All right, the second thing that the people did was they waved branches, palm branches. And there were at least three times in the Bible where palm branches were waved in praise. <clears throat> this was done in a show of praise, and uh, this happened before in Leviticus chapter 23. Verses 39 and 40. Also in the 15th day of the seventh month, when ye have gathered in the fruit of the land, ye shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. And on the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. And ye shall take you on the first day the boughs of, a, of goodly trees, branches of palm trees and the boughs of thick trees and willows of the brook, and ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. So that was part of the Jewish worship. They observed the Feast of Tabernacles, and the Jews would march or dance around the altar, waving these palm branches and singing Hosanna. The second time they did that was what we're looking at here today, or the second time that it's mentioned in the Bible, waving palm branches, was here at this triumphal entry of Jesus. And uh, <clears throat> the third time <coughs> it's mentioned did not, has not taken place yet. <clears throat> it's in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. <clears throat> and uh, we're all looking forward to participating in that event. Chapter 7, verse 9 says, After this I beheld the law, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hand. <clears throat> so one day, I think, we will be there present. I'm not sure exactly <coughs> all the order of the events here and who talks about. We'll read more of this here later. But <coughs> we we trust and we hope to be there at least lined along the street of gold here in heaven, praising Lord Jesus directly as he passes by there. One day we will have palm branches as an expression of praise. Are we looking forward to that day? Are we prepared for that day? All right, the third thing that these people did, Jesus 
entry into Jerusalem <coughs> was um, spread their cloaks before him. <clears throat> now, why did they do that? We might wonder. But we have to realize that the roads were made of dirt, and this was the people's way to honor a leader. It's also a form of submission and reverence to him as their leader. And uh, you probably all heard or remember the legend or the story of Sir Walter Raleigh when he laid his expensive and plush cloak into the mud puddle so that Queen Elizabeth I could cross over and not get her feet muddy or dirty. It's an act of chivalry. And uh, when someone does an act like that, sometimes it's referred to as a Sir Walter Raleigh, comes from that account. Just shows reverence and uh, and respect for someone if they um, spread their clothes for them to walk on. So it's not what happened here to Jesus was not the first time that people had spread cloaks. It was a custom people did to show respect. <clears throat> we have another time in history when that was done <clears throat> in Second Kings chapter 9, verse 13. Story of Jehu. says he had just been uh, made king here. Just been anointed king. And the people immediately uh, respected him, saw him, gave him this honor. They said, it is false, tell us now. And he said, no, or he said, thus and thus speak he. Unto me, speaking about the prophet that had anointed him king. And then the people, verse 13, then they hasted and took every man his garment and put it under him on the top of the stairs and blew the trumpet, saying, Jehu is king. <clears throat> so they also spread their garments for him to walk on, on these steps. Sign of respect. But we know Jesus doesn't just want our outward ritual. He doesn't just want us to literally walk around waving palms and spreading our coats on the floor. But he wants our spiritual cloaks spread before him. He wants our hearts of love and devotion. Are we doing that to him for him today? Are we showing him the reverence and respect in our hearts and our lives? we have seen these three responses of the people to the triumphant entry of Jesus in Jerusalem and declaring him as king, as Messiah. Have we done that in our lives? Have we laid our lives on the altar for Jesus? Have we done 
if we allow Jesus to make a triumphant entry into our hearts. We can willingly give our lives in love and praise to him now, or we can be forced to bow and revere him on Judgment Day. We know that soon, sooner or later, someday, we all will bow, as it says in Romans chapter 14, verse 11. <clears throat> it says, For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. <clears throat> and uh, it's true that every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess, but that doesn't mean that everyone will um, be on his side, that he will rule with everyone. Some will bow, but still will be sentenced to eternal damnation in hell. Let's make sure that we are making the choices today that we can reign with him in glory in heaven, as we looked at. Look at some of these verses in Revelation, this future time that we are looking forward to when we will reign with him. And uh, like I said before, I'm not sure of all the order, everything that will take place, but we can still read these verses and rejoice. Revelation chapter 5, verses 11 to 14. Worthy is the Lamb. <clears throat> and I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands. So if there are that many people, we know it's not just the apostles, but it also includes saints and uh, very likely includes all the saints, could be counting us there, saying with a loud voice, <clears throat> worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. <clears throat> and every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. So here we see <clears throat> all of cre creation, every creature in heaven and earth and in the sea, praising Praising the Lamb that was worthy to be praised. Let's live our lives today so that we will be part of that number that can truly praise Him at that time. And also, chapter 7, verse we read before and continuing on, verses 9 to 17. After this, I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindred and people and tongues 
stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, and about the elders and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces, and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. This is talking here about those that came through tribulation, and like I say, I'm not sure who all that's referring to. I'm not sure if we will be called to face great tribulation at some point yet ourselves. But for sure, we all have the promise of a possibility to be with the king at that time. So as we look at the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, the response of the people there, we see the failings of many not seeing him for who he truly was, being disappointed that he didn't create an earthly kingdom. And maybe at times we can also become disillusioned as we go through life and nothing seems to change and Life goes on. But the challenge for us is to truly see Jesus as a living king, even though he isn't here with us present as an earthly king. Let's remember that he is our heavenly king, waiting to return, take us up. And uh, let's just lay our lives sacrificially on the ground before him. Let's wave our palms of praise to him continually and let's continue to shout praises to him, announcing to the world around us who he is, that he is our king, that he is a conquering king that will come someday and that he has salvation available for all those around us as well. I think we'll bow our heads for prayer. Dale, would you? Read in prayer as we bow our heads.
also that we know that you are a risen king and help us to portray that to the world around us is to lay our lives sacrificially before you um, to honor you with our lives and to portray to the world around us that you are our king and that there would be no question about that thank you for each one here this morning and we ask your blessing be with us through the remainder of this day